Hello, Yipsy, and welcome to another Cease to Serve podcast. I'm Cheat Catherine. And this is Cheat Angus. And we're here to talk about this week's gospel, which is Jesus teaches us the eight Beatitudes. So the summary of this gospel is essentially Jesus goes up to the mountain and tells the disciples the eight Beatitudes. The chunk of what we will be discussing today is what do the Beatitudes exactly mean? Because the eight Beatitudes are actually really almost essential to being a hipsy and being a knight of the Eucharist. For me personally, the most confusing Beatitudes out of the eight is definitely the first one. Because the first one says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kind of feels really weird and ironic. Like, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Shouldn't we all be rich in spirit? But recently I learned that this poorness isn't really like the opposite of being rich. And rather, this poverty is another way of saying humility. So if you replace the word poor with humble, then this beatitude makes a lot more sense. So we say, blessed are the humble in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in this way, Jesus is reminding us that we need to be humble at all times in everything that we do. And when we accept and acknowledge our faults and flaws, that's when we can truly get closer to God's love. When you're a knight of the Eucharist, you are called to serve. And it's not to serve and be boastful about it. You need to be humble when you go forth into the world and do good things for others. And that's where the heart of it comes in. The other beatitude, or I guess explanation, says, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you, falsely because of me. So that is pretty much what it means to not only be a knight of the Eucharist, but also a Catholic in this world. It's not easy being a Catholic, and it's not easy expressing your faith because people will come at you and you have to stand firm in what you believe in and know that as a person of faith and as a hipsy, then you are called to UPS, Unite, Protect, and Serve the Eucharist. And this is hard, like I keep saying. And the virtue or theme for this week is happiness. So when you are persecuted and insulted and you're called to be humble, this is really hard and it's hard to find happiness in this kind of lifestyle. And it's not enough to just have a positive outlook and just take it as it comes. One of the questions that people ask people of faith, even myself or Angus, we've probably wondered at some point, if God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a tricky topic. It's kind of controversial because we do say it all the time. We say it at camps. God is good all the time. But what happens when the good gets bad? How do we work through that? So Angus and I are going to try to come closer to an answer. We might not answer it completely, but we're trying to get closer. So the first thing I wanted you all to think about is that, yes, God is our creator, but God isn't the universe controller. It's not cause and effect. God isn't manipulating time to make every bad thing in the universe come together to rain down all its terror and negativity on you. 
And God does not take any joy in seeing anyone suffer. But why does suffering happen? That is a good question. And one way to think of it is that people are human. People are going to do bad things, and that is part of our world. What are we going to do about it? Yeah, so we see it on the news all the time that there's evil in this world. There's no denying that, right? It, it's there. But at the same time, we as Knights of the Eucharist are here to push forth that goodness despite the negativity and the evil that is here in the world. We're there to fight against it, to counter it with our love and with God's gift of love for us. Agreed. Good exists as much as evil exists. One way to switch our thinking is to ask ourselves, will the suffering be eliminated if we finally have a because to our why? Suffering is going to happen, unfortunately, whether you have a reason for it or not. And will having a reason for it make it any less hurtful? Probably not. Maybe a little, yeah, maybe a little bit, but probably not. The hurt's not going to go away, and the suffering is just going to stay there. So in a way, you can either accept it or, what Ann just said, try to combat it by putting good out into the world. Let me give you an example to you, Catherine. So, for example, if, you know, you fall off your bike and then you get a scrape on your knee, if you come to the realization that, ah, it is because I fell off my bike that I am hurting. Does that hurt? Like, does the bleeding in your knee suddenly go away? Does the pain suddenly go away? Like, does that change much knowing why you are feeling pain? Not really. (laughs) Exactly. So I think that in a way, that question of asking why, why do I have to suffer? Why is so much evil in the world? Like, if we have the answer to that, I'm not sure if it would really make us feel much better. And if it would help us to like get through it that much more. I think instead, something that we can do is to just acknowledge that it is present and in a way like embrace it don't push it away i think the best reassurance there is is to know that god is suffering there with us and his eternal love for us is waiting for us too and so we hurt because we love right if we're hurting because of you know a breakup or something it's because we love that person so much that it hurts because if we never really loved that person then it wouldn't really matter so love and the suffering goes hand in hand exactly and we should think of jesus on the cross as our example for all this suffering when we used to have mass in church we would see jesus on the cross every time we went but when we really look at him jesus was in pain on that cross i believe he said god why have you forsaken me Yet God didn't come down and say, Jesus, I'm here, my son. I will get you off of this cross right now. I don't want you to feel pain. He didn't rescue Jesus. Rather, he redeemed Jesus. In our own lives, God isn't always going to rescue us, but he will redeem us. And always looking to that future, because as we know, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead 
so the new concept we should be thinking of is redemptive suffering, meaning that God has a reason, even if it's not always visible at first, he has a reason for this suffering for us to go to God and to find God at the end of this suffering. I definitely agree with that. So something that I really wanted to emphasize, and it might seem kind of bad or ironic to say this, but I want us to try to think of suffering as good. And you know why? It's because it brings us closer to God. There's this article that I read. So it's something that comes from St. Faustina's diary. And she says, there are two things that angels are jealous of us for. One is the Eucharist, because we are able to unite with Jesus through the Eucharist, whereas angels aren't able to. And the other one is that if they were capable of envy, they would envy our suffering. And that sounds kind of crazy. Like, who wants to suffer, right? But Father Matthew, who wrote this article, explained that we have been given a share in the cross of Christ, which angels haven't been. Angels have been given one opportunity to decide for the Lord, yes or no. And when they have made that decision, then they either stay with him forever or they became damned and part of the realm of Satan. But you and I have the opportunity in time to experience suffering and pain. And we oftentimes don't like that. We don't want to suffer. But I think that what St. Faustina reflected should make us positive. The different sufferings that I have these are opportunities for us to somehow imitate Christ even more closely than the angels can. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it's definitely something to look at from a different perspective. Speaking of thinking of suffering as good, Beatitudes, one way to think of it is as beautiful attitudes, which is kind of cool, you know, it's like a pun. So a beautiful attitude, for example, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's not because the person is mourning, but the person who is mourning immerses him or herself in it, and in doing so, looks to God. And there's this quote that says, when it hurts, run to God. When it's good, run to God. And the Beatitudes are all these people who are hurting, or they've experienced injustice, or they're just trying to be the peacemaker. Whatever position they're in, Jesus calls us to run to God and run to our Father. So we thought it would be a good thing for us to talk about our own discouraging moments. So I really wanted to ground us in reality and validate all of our suffering and in acknowledging it, be able to offer it up to God somehow. So the transition between being a high school senior to becoming a freshman in college. For me, I applied to a bunch of colleges and I only ended up getting into like three or four and none of them were my top choice. My first choice was UCLA and of course I got waitlisted at first and then rejected. So, you know, the school was definitely playing with my feelings. I held on to the hope that I would be able to get in and go to the school of my dreams. And then when ultimately I got rejected, I ended up going to my next choice, which was UC San Diego. And although it wasn't like an awful choice, it definitely wasn't the place where I was hoping and anticipating to go. And so I kind of took it as like, a, you know what, I'll settle for this. 
And then once I got to UC San Diego, I faced a whole bunch of other chaotic and like miserable stuff, I guess, in a way. It was just a really difficult time for me where I thought that all of my efforts, everything that I put into as a high school student wasn't worth enough. And so I oftentimes asked God why. I tried so hard. I did everything I could. I prayed to you all the time. So why did I end up here? And why is everything not going my way? But I had to shift my attitude in a way. I had to say that God put me here for a reason and realize that this place is not so bad. I made things work. So when you're in a discouraging moment, just take that moment and seize it and offer it all up to God. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the moral that I felt. Yeah, I was in the same boat as Giangis of being either rejected or waitlisted to my top schools. And I was only accepted to Cal State Fullerton and Chapman, both of which were my backup schools. And I committed to Cal State Fullerton because I had to, not because I wanted to. The deadline was approaching, and if I didn't accept somewhere, then I would not have anywhere to go. So while I was waiting to get off the waitlist for UCI and also hear back from my appeal, I would be thinking, I really just didn't want to go to Cal State Fullerton. And something in my heart and in my mind just wouldn't let me accept that. And I graduated. I had my family party. And to everyone, I was saying, I'm going to Cal State Fullerton. But every time I said that, there was this like punch to the stomach. And then June 20th, I was rejected officially. The waitlist closed. They didn't accept my appeal. So I had officially become resigned to the fact that I would be attending Cal State Fullerton. And then my parents brought up the idea of going to a community college, IVC. And at that point, I didn't know it, but I had been looking for an out. I was looking for any way to just not go to Cal State Fullerton. Not bashing on Cal State Fullerton at all, but this was just my personal choice. And when I finally heard the possibility of going to a community college, I didn't even really stop to think about the stigma. I just felt this relief. That sounds like a happy ending, you know? But while I was there, yes, I knew this was the best choice for me, but sometimes I just could not help to tell myself why I couldn't I just be at UCI and I would beat myself up about it like what could I have done but over time I realized that IBC was the best choice for me. Community college was definitely a blessing in disguise that I could not have grown as a student, grown as a person if I had not gone to IBC. I think something really great to reflect upon these two experiences that we've had is that in the moment, we feel like we're suffering a lot and that there's a lot of pain and confusion that we don't know how to resolve. But when we reflect on it later on and we look back on it, then we realize that it was a blessing in disguise and that, you know, it wasn't so bad after all. In fact, it because we went through all of that, we've grown and we've become better people. So just to close everything out, I want everyone to set a goal for ourselves, 
to strive for a shift from the temporal to the everlasting. One of my friends asked me, what's something that would make you the happiest right now? And I didn't even have to think about it at the time. I just said, I just want to have a secure and stable job waiting for me at the end of my college career. As long as I know that, you know, I'm going to be making money, I won't be unemployed, that's all I need. And I will be super happy right now. But how about what's going to make me happy for eternity? So I want everyone to try to change our mentality and not think so much about what's going to happen here on Earth while I'm still alive, because that's going to come to an end. But something that is always there and will continue to be there even after we die is Jesus Christ. Yes. What better way to seek happiness than to live those eight Beatitudes on Earth and to grow closer to our faith right now and be at our happiest when we are finally united with God? With that, we will conclude this podcast, and we hope you have a great weekend. Bye! Bye.